book of 2 Timothy chapter number 3. It is a very unusual way that the Lord has dealt with me about this message. I'm sorry I had my mouth cut off and was praying. It's a very unusual way how the Lord has dealt with me about this message. I uh, spent the morning early with my mother. Had to take her for a surprise doctor's visit and uh, spent the morning with her. And then I come home and started reading and studying, praying, asking the Lord to direct me on what he wanted me to preach on for tonight's service. And ever since Sunday, when I preached on uh, our nation and the reason that our nation is where it is now, this, this thought of sin has been on my heart, man, I'm telling you, just sin and ungodliness and, and immorality, and, and it's just it's been wearing me out. So uh, I, I was beginning to look at some of these verses, and right in the middle of reading these verses, there was a thought, just bam, it hit me, and I just had to stop studying. I got up, I walked around for a little bit, went outside, walked around in the rain, come back in and sit down and prayed, and the Lord just completely changed the direction. And I'm going to share that with you tonight. Amen. Amen. All right. Y'all hear that, or is it just me? They working on it. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Second Timothy chapter number 3. Let's read the uh, first five verses together. Second Timothy chapter number 3. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. You believe we're living in the last days? Amen. Ain't no doubt. In the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away." Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you for your love, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for this scripture and the way that you have took my mind to where it needed to be today in my study time. And I pray that you would help us for the next few minutes, strengthen us, encourage us, and we'll thank you and we'll praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. Also, in my study, went to Romans chapter number 1. And in Romans chapter number 1, you'll find that people was not thankful. You'll find in Romans chapter number 1 that it says that their foolish hearts was darkened. You'll find in verses 22 through 25 in Romans 1, it starts speaking of the perversion that'll be in the days it speaks of sexual perversion. It speaks of men being with men, women being with women. It speaks of all kinds of ungodly things in the book of Romans chapter number 1. 
And then it goes on and it says, and God gave them over. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. And God gave them over to do the things that in their hearts they desired to do. And the sad part about it is it even goes on to say, and they know the judgment of God. They know the judgment of God, but it didn't matter. They just went ahead and done it anyway. And while I was studying all of these things, and that's what I was going to preach on. I was going to preach on where our country's at, where we're headed, how bad our country is sliding off the edge, and how awful sin is. And right in the middle of all of this studying on the verses that I have just shared with you and read for you tonight, this thought come to my mind. And this is what I want to preach on tonight. This thought just hit me. Keith, where would you be? Where would you be if it was not for my grace? Where would you be if it was not for my grace? And let me tell you something, Brother Don, it just, it just woed me up right there. And for a long time today, I just, I just walked around and I prayed and I thought about how I was, the things that I have done. I thought about the path that I had been down from a real young age all the way up into my teenage years, through middle school and through high school, graduating from school and still not a believer in Jesus Christ, still even after graduation knew nothing of the things of God. And I was thinking on that and then I, I began to think about where would I be? Where would I be? Would I already, now this is just what I've been thinking about, would I already, would I already be in hell? Would I have already had run the race and had cut my life, you believe you can cut your life short? Would I have already found myself in such miry clay of sin and pitfalls and ungodliness? Would I have just so involved myself because the sin in my life was not getting less, it was growing more rapid every single week and every single year. And thinking on those things in my life, I thought, where would I be if it was not for the grace of God in my life? What kind of man would Tina have married? Would she have married me? Would I be married to her today? If so, what kind of dad would my three kids have had? How about my grandbabies? We've got a granddaughter with us tonight. She's going to be spending the night with Pap and Mim. And she said she's glad Kicks ain't with us so she can get all the attention just her. <laughs> she said, when we get home tonight, I want to build a fire and sit outside. I swear it might be a little too wet, but we'll see what we can do. She'll sleep right in between me and Mima tonight. She'll scrooch up to us and she'll be as sweaty as she's ever been. <laughs> but isn't that a blessing, amen? Where would I be tonight if it was not for the grace of God? Where would you be tonight if it was not for the grace of God? 
I've been studying all day on grace. I want to share just some thoughts with us tonight. I, uh, I was telling Dennis and, and everyone over here that's playing the piano and the instruments, I said, I've been studying on grace all day today. And I'm going to be honest with you about something. I'm not really sure I get it all. I, I'm serious, man. I've been studying on it. I've read, I can tell you this, I've read every verse in the Bible that has the word grace in it today. And I still don't get it all. I'm going to try my best with the help of the Lord to preach a little bit on grace. Amen. The very first mention that I can find on grace is in the book of Genesis chapter number 6. If you'll remember in Genesis chapter number 6, that's where God saw that the wickedness of man was on evil continually. In Genesis chapter number 6, it says that every thought and every imagination of man was on evil continually. But it's an amazing thing to me. In Genesis 6, in verse number 8, it says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I've always thought that grace was just a New Testament thing surrounded by Jesus. But what you'll find is, is grace has always been. Grace has in the, it's in the very beginning, in the book of Genesis, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I studied this word grace, and this is the definition of it, and I hope you will remember this definition as I go through all of these verses. I'm going I'm to share several different verses just to kind of get our mind and our hearts on grace. And what is this grace? When you study the word grace, it means to bend or to stoop in kindness or favor. In other words, when I was in my sin, grace, listen now, grace was over me and was bending down to me and was reaching down for me and standing over me while I was in my sin. I thank God for grace tonight. Grace is kindness and it's favor and it's, it's, it's bending over and stooping over us. But it goes deeper than that. Listen to this definition of grace. It's unmerited favor or kindness. It's unmerited, it's unmerited favor or kindness shown to one who is utterly undeserving. It is, not a, it is not a free gift, but a free gift to those who deserve the exact opposite. That's what grace is. Grace is not given to those who deserve grace. Grace is given to those who don't deserve grace at all. Grace is given to those on the exact opposite of a free gift that the Lord wanted to give us. It cost you and I nothing, but it cost him and his son everything. Amen? Grace. Grace. See, the Bible in the book of Genesis gives a picture of the old world before the flood. It speaks of giants, tyrants, 
children become mighty men and warriors and champions and mighty and strong, old men of honor, renown, of, of authority, men that conquered the world and everything that is around them. And Brother Joe uh, gave one of the best studies in the book of Genesis that I've ever heard on those giants that is mentioned in the book of Genesis chapter number 6. But then God saw in Genesis 6, and I began to study all that God has saw and all that is going on around this word, grace, grace, grace. 159 times grace is mentioned in the Bible, 159 times. It's mentioned 25 times. I thought this was interesting. It's mentioned 25 times from the book of Genesis to the book of 2 Samuel. And all 25 times that it's mentioned from Genesis to Samuel, it says that they found grace. Every verse from Genesis to 2 Samuel, it always says they found grace. And I've been studying on that, and I've been trying to figure that out all day. They found grace. Grace. It's the finding of grace. But then in the book of Ezra, it makes a turn. It no longer speaks of finding grace. Listen to what the book of Ezra 9 8 says. It changes. And now for a little space, grace hath been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail, a nail in his holy place, that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. It no longer speaks of finding grace. Now it goes on and it says, grace has been given and grace has been extended. Psalm 84, 11 says, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. From, from Genesis to Samuel, it speaks about finding grace. But after Samuel, then it speaks about receiving grace and grace that has been given and grace that has been extended. And grace is amazing to me. As I found, I could study it a lot, but it looks to me like the first mention of grace in the New Testament it's not in the book of Matthew or not in the book of Mark. You, you get all the way to the book of Luke 2.40 and it speaks of Jesus as a young boy and it said that the grace of God was upon him, speaking of Jesus. And then right now in Sunday school, we're doing a study in, in the book of John and, and we're studying about who Jesus is in the book of John. And I was reading back through that verses today, Brother Joe, and right there in John chapter number 1 and verse 14, it says that Jesus is the Word, and it says that the Word was made flesh and it dwelt among us. But then it goes on and it says that Jesus, the Word, is full of grace, full of grace and truth. I thought to myself, okay, okay. So, grace, Jesus, the Word that was made flesh, is full of grace and truth. And then in verse 17 of John chapter 1, it says, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. That's where he came from. If you're thankful for grace tonight, say amen. amen. Now I was at the house, and Grayson's upstairs, and Kicks was at the house a little while today, and then he left. 
And he come in there in my study, and he said, Pap, what are you preaching on? I said, I'm preaching on grace. And he stood there and looked at me. Well, Jackson come by the house to pick up Abigail, and when Jackson come to the house, <laughs> Kick said, Pap's preaching on your daddy tonight. <laughs> I said, that's Grace's son. He said, no, you're, you're preaching on uh, uh, Jackson's daddy tonight. Grayson, he, that's what a little boy got out of my message. I'm thankful for Grace, amen. I'm thankful for Grayson too. As I begin to study on grace, now just stay with me now. I found something interesting how the Bible ties the Bible ties some words together when you study about grace. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2, in Titus chapter 1 and verse 4, and in 2 John verse 3, it ties these three words together, and I'm not going to preach on them all. Grace, mercy, and peace comes from God. Grace, mercy, and peace comes from God. And it says that 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, and 2 John. But then when you get to Hebrews, when you're studying about grace, and you get to Hebrews chapter number 4, it speaks on that you and I can come boldly into the throne of grace. And we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Grace. Grace. James 4, 6 speaks that there is a such a thing as more grace. 1 Peter 5, 10 says the God of all grace. 2 Peter 3, 18 says we can grow in grace. Now turn to Ephesians chapter number 2 with me. These scriptures teach on grace. Ephesians chapter number 2, verses 1 through 10. Let's read those. All I know is, and what you need to know is, is that every single one of us, because of our sin, was not going to get to go to heaven. Do you understand that? And that Jesus Christ came and he died on a cross, and they put him in a tomb, and three days later he rose again, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And because of his grace, because of his mercy, and because of his peace, and because of his forgiveness, you and I now can go to heaven. Are you with me? And what you and I need to realize is, is if we really got what we deserved, I mean if we really got what we deserved, every single one of us, if we truly got what we deserved, I'm talking about even after we accepted Christ as our Savior, as, as short as we've come, as much as we've messed up, the thoughts that we think, the things that we say, the places that we go, the things our eyes look at, the things that are in our hearts and in our lives, the secret passages into our souls, if we even got what we deserved as believers, we wouldn't none of us get to go to heaven. But because of his grace, his grace, he has extended grace to us. We've got a young man and a young lady that's with us tonight. They're visiting with us. And I've known this, this young boy for a long time. And I give him a book on grace. 
And I told him, I said, now I want you to read this book. And when you get to the second chapter, I want you to call me and let's talk about what it says. And, and in, that, in that second chapter, I believe it is in that book, it, it speaks about a girl who was in an orphanage and the way that she was raised and how she would go out into the fields and she would steal crops from farmers and the farmers would catch her and they would abuse her and they was mean to her in every way that you could ever imagine. And one farmer ties her to a water wheel and one farmer, I believe, throws her into an abandoned whale. And, and it's been a long time since I've read it, but we talked just for a few minutes about it. And I believe at the end of that chapter, there was a man that went into this orphanage and they did not adopt Girls, they always adopted boys, but he, they went into this orphanage and this girl was just nasty, man, lice in her hair and worms in her belly. And, and, this, and this man went in and he wanted to adopt this girl. And he adopted her. I think he brought her back to the States. I can't remember all of it. It's been too long. And this girl ended up accepting Christ. And then I read it in this book, and then I was listening to 106.9, and they was focused on the family, and they was interviewing this lady who run this orphanage, and it was the lady that I'd read about in that book. And I never will forget it when I heard that story, and I read that in that book. And at the end of that chapter, it said, it's hard to understand grace unless you can really understand adoption. I was like, I'm trying to understand grace, man. Now picture it with me. This girl, she, did, she felt so undeserving. Her life was awful. Everything about this girl's life was awful. But there was a man and his wife who walked into her life and, and took her home with them and to raise her as their child. <laughs> Are you with me? To raise her as their child. And this girl accepted Christ as her Savior and Lord. And she says, now I understand God's grace. Man, I'm trying to grab a hold of grace. Are you with me? I'm just trying to grab a hold of grace. And I was, I was talking to Jordan. And he said, yeah, and I read in this other chapter where this preacher, he went to uh, Las Vegas. And he said, in Las Vegas, you know, they call Las Vegas Sin City. He said, but now that God has sent me there, I don't see it as Sin City. I see it as Grace City. Do we understand grace? Do we really understand grace in our lives? See, because the Lord saved us, and now we belong to him. Amen. And it's, we don't belong to him because we're good. We don't belong to him because of great things that we've done. We belong to him because it's everything that he's done. And he did it all for you and I. You know what that's called tonight? If you can help me try to explain this, you know what that's called in our lives? It's called what? It's called grace. It's getting, it's getting things that we, we didn't deserve it. Would he give it to us anyway? It's grace. All right. I didn't know I was going to say all of that, but there we go. Ephesians chapter number 2, verse number 1. Let's just read the scriptures. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's made alive. And, and notice what it speaks of before it speaks of grace. It always speaks of the past. 
Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, which is the devil, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, notice that spirit is a little s, among whom also we all had our conversation. We all had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. And then in parentheses it says, By grace ye are saved. You with me? And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We're saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves. It's amazing to me. Grace. For by grace you are saved. For by grace you are saved. For by grace you are saved. Here's your good one to think about. Romans 5.10. Where sin abounded, where sin abounded, that means where sin was to be made more, grace did much more abound. <laughs> so... Every sin in our lives, even under the law, the law, uh, it did not set people free. The law showed us how bad of sinners we really were. And every time that we sin and when sin increases in our life and sin abounds and sin continues to grow, the Bible says, yet sin abounds, grace much more abounds. In other, in other words, every time you sin, God has grace to superabound over any of our sins. You say, but I've went too far. No, you don't understand God's grace. You say, I've done too much. No, you don't understand God's grace. You say, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. Yeah, but you don't know how good God is. You say, yeah, but you don't know how bad I've messed up. Yeah, but you don't know how good God's grace is. You say, yeah, but if you really knew me, you wouldn't talk to me. Yeah, but if you really knew how good God's grace is, and you really knew who you was, you'd stand up and shout tonight. Because God's grace has been expended, extended into your life and into my life. Amen? It's God's grace. Where would you be tonight, Steve, without God's grace? Jeff, where would you be tonight without God's grace in your life? Even my wife, Tina, who lived a good godly life and was raised in church, but where would she be without God's grace in her life? Jackson, where would you be, my son, without God's grace in your life? Amen. How about you, Matt? Amen. Larry, where would you be without God's grace in your life? Abigail, where would you be without God's grace in your life? You realize where we was headed, don't you? You know where you was headed, right? Where would you be at, Brother Jim? Without God's grace. Amen, Janelle? 
It's, it's His favor towards us. It's His... I don't even know how to explain. <laughs> am I doing all right? Because I don't feel like I am. This thing's big, man. How do you grab a hold of God's grace? How, how do you really grab a hold of the grace of God? How do you do it? I keep going back to the end of that book. You'll never understand grace until you can really understand adoption. God's grace. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. In the book of Ephesians, where we just read, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, here's a little outline. It speaks of life without Christ. In Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 7, it speaks of the work of mercy. But in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, it speaks of the work of grace. So would it be fair to say this? By grace alone, through faith alone, to God alone be all the glory is the reason we get to go to heaven. By grace alone, through faith alone, to God alone be all the glory. Then I'm not dead in my trespasses and sins.